just asking God to do some great things in our, in our midst. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, open our hearts to receive from your word. Holy Spirit, uh, it's more important that you speak this morning. Lord, that your word speaks, that you speak. Lord, help me to say only what you have for me to say. Open our ears to hear what you have each individual to hear. God, and change our hands and feet to walk out of this place differently, to do and be who you've called us to be. Let us have a revelation of who you are and who we are in you. And Lord, uh, we don't want to be the same. Every time we come to your word, Lord, we want to be changed by who you are. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about through the flood and the fire, part of our Jesus Saved series, Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, What do you fear? What do you fear? There's a lot of things we can fear. Some of us fear snakes and spiders and and uh, clowns. I don't know. There's a lot of other things you can fear today. Uh, you can fear the news. You can fear uh, the economy and all that. One of the things I feared when I was younger was large dogs. Anybody have a fear of dogs? Okay, a couple of us. All right. Uh, I don't fear them anymore, but when I was younger, my uh, I went to visit down here, down south. We live in Missouri. I would come down south in the summers and uh, I was about eight or nine, and I'd visit my grandmother, and my uncle lived across the road. They had a trailer on this side of the road, gravel road in the country, and my uncle lived on the other side of the road. They were taking a porch off of the trailer, and it was kind of all over the yard. And uh, he had two chow chows. Anybody know what a chow chow is? It's like this furry-eyed demon monster. Uh, anyhow, it's a fluffy, not-so-nice dog, in my opinion. Uh, and anyway, so he had two chow chows, and they were known for killing the chickens and the goats. So I didn't like them anyway, right? I had a Cocker, uh, we had a golden retriever, and I'm, I'm for that kind of a dog. You know, just the homeward-bound, loyal, faithful, not these demon dogs on the side. Okay, so anyway, so I go over there. My, uh, we're visiting. I want to go see my little cousins, and they were younger than I. My dad said, no, just go. Don't worry about it. Just walk over there. The dogs won't bother you. If they jump out at you, just say, get, you know. That's the southern, get, or get on out of here, you know, that kind of thing. And so just be bold. Yell at them, and then just go up on the porch. Okay, so I get up to the gumption. I'm, a, I'm scrawnier than I am now, so if you can imagine. And so I go across the road, and I make my way every fearful step, taking it in faith on what my daddy said. And I get up to the, almost, I cross over the lumber that they have, and I get almost to the front porch. And then that demon monster just pounces, you know, outside of, you know, this little black, he had a black one and a brown one. They pounce, and they start barking, and uh, they start coming towards me. And so being the strong, bold, courageous young man that I was, I started running. And uh, I tripped over the lumber that was there on the floor, and that dog was coming at me. And I obviously screamed like the girl that I was. And I, my, before, I kid you not, before I even knew it, all I heard was my dad's voice. And I turned around. And my dad was right there to pick me up. And uh, later on, we killed the dogs. No, <laughs> uh, that is true, but that's because they ate a goat, not me. But uh, I thought about that this week. And isn't that just like God? And I go out in faith in the word of God, and I have the 
faith over fear, and before I know it, I'm down on the ground, about to be overcome by the things. And I thought my dad was still in the house. I had no idea my dad was even still watching me, much less was going to be able to get to me in time. But before I knew it, there was my dad picking me up, and the dogs fled. That's just like God. He's a good father, and he's there on time every time. And I want to talk to you about the times in our life when fear comes in like a flood. When you fear loss, you fear being alone, we fear the unknown, we fear all these things. We get into a miserable condition in our heart, but you know, over and over again, Old Testament and New Testament, God repeatedly tells his people, do not fear, do not fear. And there are times in our life where we feel consumed by trials. We go through these fiery things and we feel like, man, is anything going to be left of me after I get through this? If we go through marital problems, is our marriage even going to survive when we go through this trial? Is, is the problems I have with my teenager and we're going through this stuff, are we even going to have a relationship yet left after we get through this mess? Anyone know what I'm talking about? There are some things you go through, you wonder if this is even going to survive And what can we do? We can forget who God is. We can forget what he can do. We can forget who he's called us to be. And so are you overwhelmed? Are you being overtaken? I want to remind you of three things today in this passage is that you are purchased, you are protected, and you are precious. You are purchased, you are protected, and you are precious. And if anything, it's to say that Even if you go through it, you won't be given to it, okay? Even if you go through it, you won't be given to it. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. If you go through it, you will not be given to it. Israel has, uh, let me read the background. Israel has been in exile for some time. Isaiah the prophet stands in a divided kingdom, and he begins to warn Israel because of their sins and their idolatry and their trust in other nations. He says, guys, Israel, you're going to be taken away by Assyria, Judah in the south. You're going to be taken away by Babylon. And he tells them this before they've ever even gone into exile. And the cool thing about God is he tells you the good news even before it even happens. And so he tells them this is going to happen. And then Isaiah stands and he looks ahead. He looks ahead 150 years to the day when God would call his people home, back to the promised land. And he gives them these good reports to a surviving remnant, to a people who've been through the fire, who've been through the flood, who know what it's like to go without, who know what it's like to be persecuted, to feel abandoned, to feel forsaken, And he says, guys, I'm going to tell you the news that God will give you on that day. And here's what he says that God is going to do for his own glory. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 through 7, he says, But now, says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you. Everybody say called. I've called you by name. You are mine. I love that. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, who will be with you? I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. We're going to talk about that word in a second. Nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba as your place. Since you are precious, there's that word precious in my sight. 
since you are honored and I love you. I'll give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear anything. God just said it twice. Do not fear, for I am with you. I'll bring up your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, give them up into the south. Do not hold them back. Bring back my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I've created for my glory, who I have formed, even whom I've made. Okay, how do you take those promises as a believer? You can say, well, Pastor, that's for that day and that time. That's for Israel coming back from the place of Babylon and God was going to release them through the nation of Persia, and they were going to come back with Nehemiah and Ezra. And we think about the story of Esther. That's that time. What does it have to do with the believer? Because doesn't bad things still happen? Don't, don't even uh, problems come for the elect of God, the saints of God? Purchased, protected, and precious. God tells Israel, he says, look at that first part. He says, I've not only created you, but I've called you and I've redeemed you. He says, I formed you out of nothing. You were a nation and I called Abraham. I made you. You were wandering nomads. I made you into a mighty nation. I created something out of nothing. But I didn't just create you. I called you. And I not only created and called you, I ransomed you. And the same is true for every Christian. We not only were created by God, but we have been called and ransomed out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look at that word redeem there. He says, I have redeemed you. The word redeem means to be bought back with a price, to be paid for. That means to make an exchange. When I go buy a candy bar, I give them the money and they give me the candy. There's an exchange there. It's a purchase. And what has happened for the believer? He says that you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. That God loved the world. He gave his son instead for you. So the payment for you, think about this, the payment of exchange for you was Jesus. What value, what weight, what purchase. Your life was ransomed by the own purchase through the son of God. Your life was ransomed from the curse of sin And I love what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, Christ redeemed us. He bought us back from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He took our place. It was a great exchange. He says, you've been ransomed. You've been redeemed. He says, you've been created. And as a believer, we have been recreated in Christ. We were born once of the flesh, but now we get to be born again of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes alive in us, making us new with Christ. The Bible says that now the new has come, the old has passed away, that all things are made new in Him, that you have a new spiritual DNA, a new heritage in Christ. And he's made us into the people of God. Peter says, you are once not a people, but you've been made into, created into the people of God. So you've been redeemed. You've been created. I'm not telling you how to apply this to your life. You've been redeemed. You've been created. And now you've been called. He said, I've called you. I I redeemed you. I created you out of nothing. I made you into something. But I've also given you a holy calling. Israel had a holy calling to lead the world into God. They were to be a light to the nations, a city on the hill, making their house of the people of God, a place of prayer for the nations to come and find God. He says, that same calling I give to you, modern day believers. You know what your calling is? Look at what, look at what Scripture says. It says, you've not only been 
created, but called out of sin. The Bible says you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says in First Peter that you were called to inherit a blessing. How many want to inherit a blessing? So that you've been called to inherit a blessing, First Peter 3. First Corinthians 1, you were called into fellowship with Jesus. Ephesians 4, you were called into peace and to hope. Colossians 3, you were called into the body of Christ. First Timothy 6, you were called into eternal life. I love that. It's like when you, you go into Walmart, my dad's name is uh, Michael, and my first name is Michael, and they wanted my name to be different than my father's, so they love Heath Barkley off, off of Ponderosa. Anybody remember that show? Uh, that was before my time, but that's where, I, that's where they got the name. They loved it. Okay, so, but when someone comes into Walmart and they say, hey, Mike, or hey, Michael, I'm not going to turn around because that's my daddy's name. And if they say, hey, Heath, I'm going to turn around and say, hey, Heath, come over here. They have called me. And he says, God saw you. He created you from nothing. He made you into something. And now he's not only created you once, he recreated you through his own son. He purchased you back. He made an exchange for your life. And when he looked at you, he called your name. And he called you from where you are to where he is. And he's called you to inherit a blessing to eternal life, to have peace and hope and relationship with Jesus. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? You remember what he's done for you. You remember how you can overcome when you're fearful. So he says, don't fear. I've redeemed you. I've created you. I've called you. I want you to read after me. Say, I am his. I am his. We should say that more often than, than we do. I am his. Who are you? I'm his. I've created you. I've called you. I've redeemed you. You are mine. I'm his. So when I go through life and you think, man, this is going to overtake me. It's going to overwhelm me. No, no, no. I'm his. I am his. So you are protected. You are protected. You are purchased and you are protected. He reminds Israel, he says, guys, guess what? I protected Noah in the flood. I parted the waters of the river, the Red Sea, for, no, uh, for Moses. I was even with Daniel in the lion's den. And just recently, because this would be modern history, now the history for them, in Babylon, don't you remember just a few decades ago, I was with those little three boys in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was walking in the midst. That was just a few decades ago. Don't you remember I have been with you in the flood. I've been with you in the rivers. I've been with you in the fire. You're mine. And he says, I will be with you. The waters, the rivers, the fire, it will not overtake you. And you say, well, Pastor Heath, how do you apply that? Pastor Heath, don't you know Hebrews chapter 11? Yeah. Don't you know that Hebrews chapter 11 and 33 through 30, it says that for some, yeah, God shut the mouth of lions. And for some that God quenched the fire. And some escaped the sword, and some put armies to flight, and even some God raised the dead for. Yeah. Well, don't you know that it says in the next verse, it said, but Pastor Heath, some were also tortured, mocked, scourged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two. That's Elijah, by the way. Elijah's writing this in a few decades from now. Elijah will be sawn in two. Impoverished, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, forced even to flee to caves and mountains. So, Pastor Heath, how do you apply that God's going to be with you in the fire. Yeah, sometimes he saves people. 
He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He shut the mouth of the lions. He, was, he parted the waters for Moses. He, he was with Noah in the flood. But what about all the people that actually died horrible deaths? And how do I quote for myself, God will be with you in the fire? Well, look at that story in, in Daniel 3. And I'm just going to read it to you in Daniel 3, 16, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar wants them to bow down and stop praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and bow down and pray to him. And here's what these young little boys, teenage boys, maybe in their early 20s, say to him. They say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Whether God saves me or not, I will be faithful. Because why? God is faithful. And whether you are good to me or not, God is always good to me. And no matter come what may, good or bad, I will serve the Lord. He says, God can save us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, he's going to be with me every step of the way. Some quenched the fire and some died by it. But every single person was saved from it. Think about that. Some had gone through the fire. Some died by it. Some lived through it. But every single one of them was saved from it. You see, we pass from death into life. Even though we go through hard times, we go through things, but we're not given two things. Are you with me this morning? You go through it, but you don't have to be given to it. So he says, fire. Peter says, you guys, don't, don't think it's a strange thing that you're going to go through fiery trials as believers in these last days. You may share in the suffering of Christ, but it's going to be for your glory because he's going to be with you every step of the way. Even Stephen being stoned there in Acts, he was stoned being pelted by rocks. But what did he do? He looked up and Jesus was there with him. He sat up from the throne and walked over to Stephen and welcomed him home. You see, he's going to be with you through every single thing. The Bible says you may be delivered into the hands of sinful men, but you'll never be delivered out of God's hand. You'll be delivered into tribulation, but you'll always triumph. You are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last days, Peter says. And look what he says there in the text. He says, even though you go through the fire, my translation says you'll not be scorched. That word scorched means branded or burned, as in scarred by it. He says you'll go through this fire, but you will not have the scars of it. He goes on, he says, and you'll also go through the flame and it won't burn you. That translation there means consumed. What is he saying? He says, you're going to go through hot, fiery things and it's not going to scar you. Neither will it consume you. He doesn't say you won't go through it. He says, when you go through it, it won't scar you and it won't consume you. I mean, it won't overtake you. And so I take that to mean this. In this life, we are promised tribulations and trials. We are promised these things in Christ. But here's the deal. When you go through things on your own power and in your own strength, sometimes those things scar you. Now, we're going to have scars going through this whole life as far as, man, we're just going through trials and tribulations. But what does he mean there? I think about Paul who had gone through these fiery things in his life, and he had the stripes across his back to prove his love for Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. He didn't have hatred in his heart. 
He didn't have unforgiveness in his heart. He had love for people. He kept preaching the gospel for Jesus. He would go through horrible, horrible things with stripes across his back, but it would not take a hold of his heart. It would not stop his spirit. He still had love for God and love for his persecutors. So when we go through fiery trials, I don't have to be affected by them if I go through them with God. I don't have to have unforgiveness against that person who hurt me. I don't have to live with regret and remorse. I don't have to be angry or upset. He says, I don't have to go through these things if I go through them with Christ. I don't have to be affected mentally, emotionally, spiritually by them. Are you with me? And I don't have to go through it in fear. I'm going to be overtaken by it as long as I go through it with him. Amen. So here's the deal. If you're going through a trial and you're living with regret, unforgiveness, anger, animosity, if you're easily being easily offended, if you're holding on to grudges, chances are you didn't go through that with him. You went through it on your own and you got burned. You got scars. And every time you look at that scar, I can't believe what she did to me. Can you imagine that person? They were so annoying. I wish they would have acted better. And we go through it because you're looking at all the wounds of other people. But if we go through it with Christ, he says, you can go through those things and you don't have to be affected by it. You can go through it. You won't be overwhelmed by it. When you come to the waters, I will be with you. They won't overtake you. Understand what he's saying today. You'll not be branded. You'll not be consumed. He says, sometimes you can go through a flood and overwhelming things. Things just keep rushing over. I mean, I know, I know what it's like just to get up every day. And it's just like, man, that problem is there again. And it just floods over. You know what I'm talking about this morning? That fear floods over you. The anxiety just floods over you. You're sitting there, sitting by yourself. And you just get a wealth of emotion. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Okay, okay, okay. Put it, put it aside. Right, okay, we're going to do it. We're just, and then the next moment, man, it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's like a flood. He says, but I'll be with you. It won't overtake you. I think about the disciples and they're in the boat and they're trying to get across the river by their own, uh, across the Sea of Galilee by their own strength. And they're being overwhelmed and they can't get any further. And they're, they're halfway through in the middle of the night watch, the Bible says. And they're struggling and we're going to make it. We're going to die. We're going to die. And all they have to do is turn around. And, what is it? There's Jesus walking on the water. The Lord is faithful Paul says, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He didn't say you wouldn't go through the flood or through the fire, but that he would be faithful. He would be faithful. You may go through it, but you'll not be given to it. You are purchased. You are protected because you are precious. He tells Israel, he says, guys, I'm going to ransom you. I'm going to give other people in your place. And what does he mean by that? He says, you've been taken by Assyria. You've been taken by Babylon, but I'll give those people in your stead. He causes Persia to rise up as a world empire. He elects Cyrus, this new Persian emperor. And they basically take the place that, that they, he begins to put favor in Cyrus's heart for the people of God. And, and eventually, the Babylonians would be in captivity and the Israelites would be let go to back to their homeland. He says, I'm trading people for you. And, and he goes on, he says, this is the same way. Think about Israel, this tiny little nation that could have been wiped off the face of the earth thousands of years ago, still surviving in the midst of Holocaust, world wars, persecution, Dozens of Arab nations wanting to wipe them off. Why do they still stand? Because God's faithful. God's faithful. And so here's the deal. When God calls you out and God calls you to himself, nothing 
can separate you from God. Why? Look at this. Because he is creator, he is sustainer, he is Yahweh, he's mighty, majestic one, the holy one, savior, deliverer. And because you are purchased, protected, and precious in his sight. Why are you precious? The word precious there means to be appraised at a high value. Someone comes, you make a, an, you find an antique chair and someone appraises it and says, well, that's worth $300. Or you, you've got these diamonds and you take them to someone and they say, well, they get their magnifying glass out in their eyes. And they say, what's the clarity? What's the color? And they say, this is appraised at this much. Like someone comes to your house and say, well, your house is appraised. He says, I've appraised you and I've made you precious. Why? Because you are worth to me the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's not really you, though. Here's the catch. I am worthless, but because I am in Christ, I'm precious. You hear me? We are naturally born to sin, worthless, destined and deserving of hell. But when he dies for me and I take on the blood of Jesus Christ, I say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Clothe me in your righteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. He looks at you and he sees a dynamic exchange. He sees that your sins have been washed away, put on Christ, and Christ's righteousness has now been exchanged and put on you. And he sees you now as precious. You know, I don't always believe that about myself. I really don't. I struggle every single day to believe, am I really worth that to God? Are we really, do we really act like we're precious to God, that we're valuable to Him? He says, you are honored in that text. He says, you're honored. That means heavily distinguished. It means glorified. It means not only are you precious because of the precious blood of Jesus, but you're honored because you've been made wealthy in His riches and glory. You're honored. You have a distinguished position. The Bible says we are made a little while lower than the angels, but then we go higher. You have been placed at seat of honor. He's going to crown you with heavenly things. Everything heaven has that he has stored up for Christ now becomes your exchange, your reward, your inheritance. Christ himself becomes your reward. You have all the rich. I mean, do we believe this? Like, that's what Scripture says. I inherit the blessings of Christ. I should act differently if I know that. I should think about things differently. I should talk better about other people if I know that they're a Christian and they have the inheritance of Christ, that they are precious, they are honored. And he says, I love you. He says, you're loved. I love you. I love you. That word love there in the original text means lovable or endeared or cherished. It means as a loved one, you hold dear. My little two-year-old, uh, th- well, three-year-old, she, she comes up and she just hug you and she just let, only, after a while, they don't do that anymore, but she'll just come up to you and just hug you tight and squeeze your neck. You know, it's like that loved one. It's the same word that it says that Abraham loved Sarah. It's the same word that said that Rebecca loved Jacob, that Abraham loved Isaac, that Jacob loved Rachel, that Israel loved Joseph. And he says, it's with that kind of love that I cherish you. I love you. It's a I love you with all my heart kind of love. And it's simply this, that God loves you as he loves himself. Probably one of the most profound statements in Scripture. Because if God calls me to love my neighbor as myself, don't you think God's doing the same thing to you? God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Well, his son is really himself. He's the Word. He is God. 
God loves me as he loves himself? Do we believe that? He loves me as he loves himself. So how will he not freely give me all things? What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God loves his church, his bride, his people, those who are in the righteousness of Christ. He loves them as he loves his self. So that we should say, do not fear. For though the mountains will be thrown into the sea, even all these things, we won't fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. He says, you're protected, you're purchased, you're precious. It's simply this, that when God calls you to himself, because who he's made you to be in Jesus Christ, when he calls you to himself... Nothing will stop you. That means on that day when he calls you to himself, that last trumpet sound, the dead in Christ rise, and we who are alive and remain, there is no slander of the enemy that will keep you here. Somebody could hold on to you, a 350-pound bodybuilder could hold you down and try to keep you here, that grave and all that dirt on top of you and death itself. When God calls his children home, it says nothing will stop them from being with him. It says there's no life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nothing created will ever be able to separate you When God calls you home, man, that's good news. I have been purchased. I am protected. I am precious because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Who is he? Who does he say you are? This is a promise strictly for the believer. You must Examine our, we must examine ourselves and say, all right, God, have I been redeemed? Have I been purchased? I love these are great promises, but the first step is this. Who are you? We'll know what he does for you. We know who he is, but who am I? Am I in Christ? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Has the blood of Jesus washed away my sins? Have I been clothed in his righteousness? And then do I walk in faith with that knowledge of who I am and who he is? That even if I go through the fire and I go through the flood, I won't be given to it. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Who are you and who is he? I ask our ushers to come. We're going to take a moment of communion as a way to receive this word by faith. Who is God? Who are you? We are purchased. We are protected. We are precious because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, today, in Jesus' name, Lord, may we have faith in fire and flood that you are faithful. Lord, even if we go through it, we will not be given to it. That we do not fear because we are yours. We're yours. Lord, I pray over these saints of God in these last days.
that we'd think about things, Lord, not to go through life and bear the scars that the world bears, bear the fear that the world bears, go through things troubled and tried. Lord, we may go through them, but Lord, we are not going to be given to it. Lord, let us go through it with you. Father, part waters in our life. Lord, let us go through things without scars, without being overcome. And Lord, that you would just be with us every step of the way. You said you would. So God, let us have faith that you're there. Lord, even if we go through the fire, we're not going to bow down to the things of this world. Just like those three little Hebrew children, Lord, God, you're with us. You're with us. You're with us. As the ushers go, they're going to put in your hand our communion today. So you just put your hand out and they'll put it in your hand today. And uh, I'm going to take one as the worship team begins to play this. And uh, we're going to take communion together. So as they go, just take a moment. Just begin to reflect as the worship team sings this. Go ahead, guys. As the worship team sings this, you just begin to reflect on the message today. What's God speaking to you? What's he saying to you? Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord. Holy, 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 holy. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. For I spoke a word, you were singing over me. Yes, God. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you read your 